Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Murray and I went to Auckland and we heard a man called Tom Stipe talk about the first time he ever went to church. Now, I know we don't really go to church. We are the church, but that's I'm using his words, okay? Tom Stipe said his friend invited him to church, so he went along and he went into this, this meeting and he was very interested. He watched and listened to see what they would do, and you can guess some of the things they did, some singing, some talking and prayers and announcements. And then a man got up the front and he began to give a message, a message about living life the way God intended, a message which, if you heeded it, would help you to have a better life. And Tom Stipe was all ears, and he was really interested in this. And he, he went home, and he, he remembered what he'd heard. And the next week, Tom wanted to go back to church again, so he did. And he thought he knew what was going to happen. The same thing has happened, and then the same man got up, and Tom thought, this is what's going to happen now. The man will say, how did you all get on last week? You know that stuff I told you? How's it going? Did you, did you put it into practice? Is it happening? And, and Tom said, that didn't happen at all. The man got up, and he said a different message, and didn't refer to the other one at all. And Tom thought, that's funny, isn't it? He said, church is like school without homework. Do you think Tom's right? Or is he only half right? Do we set the homework, but we don't check it? What do you think? Now, last time I spoke, which was a couple of weeks ago, I, I talked about pototo te ferofero, about how he knew that the Christian way of life was the best life. I talked about um, putting in, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. Can you slip God's truth into all sorts of everyday conversations wherever you are? Are you able to do that? I majored on the scriptures and how we can use the scriptures when we're just chatting to someone. But I also said that sometimes God will give you a special word for someone, and I also either said or didn't, I can't remember, that as you fill your mind with the scriptures and you get a Bible mindset, actually the things you say to people will become wise and godly in themselves. So when you chip in with your five cents worth about the value of human life or how the government should be run or how we can protect the weakest and most vulnerable in our society, you will be speaking with God's wisdom, even if you're not actually repeating the scriptures. Do you get that? You understand that? All right. Now, I also said last time I was, when I gave that speech, that, that talk, that the, the letters of Paul to Timothy remind us above all else that one of the most important things for older Christians to do is to pass on what they've learned about the Christian faith and following the Lord to the younger ones. And younger ones, you're well advised to do what Timothy did and listen and learn. That's why I picked on Elijah, because I know he listens, I know he thinks about it, I know he talks about it, and I know he does it. All right? So, I talked about rightly dividing the word of truth, and we looked at this, uh, this scripture, which is... Boing, it worked. The right word at the right time is like precious gold set in silver. So there you go. You put the right word in, and it can be a most wonderful thing. It can save the day, can't it? So who was there when I, when I gave that talk? All right. Now, I finished up by saying this. All this work I put into this talk, and all I want in return is to fill up your kete with Scripture, to get out there, to listen to people, and to listen to God, and to pull out the right word at the right time, and to rightly divide the word of truth. 
Let's make a difference. Let's bridge the gap. Because if we don't do it, who will? That's the last thing I said. And after I spoke, a lot of people were very encouraging. They said, oh, we found that very helpful. One of the nice things about this church is that when somebody takes a lot of time and care to prepare a message, which people do, you can be almost sure that people will come and encourage them and say, thank you, I found that helpful, I can get something out of that which will help me. And that's a nice thing about this church. Now that happened. People said, hey, we found that very helpful. But what I wished I'd said was one more thing. Do you know what it was? I wish I'd say, I did say go do it, but I didn't say let us know how you get on. I didn't say let us know how you get on. You see, I gave the homework, but I made no plans for checking it. So I'm going to do this right absolutely out of the blue, and I'm going to say this. Many of you were there when I said fit the scriptures, fit God's wisdom into your everyday conversations with everyday people. And I'm going to ask you now, first of all, just give us a bit of a wave if you've managed to do that since that talk. Have you managed to do that? Have you managed to fit God's wisdom in to a talk you had with someone? All right, that is the easy bit, because now what I'm going to do is say, all right then, who, just in a very short time, just a few seconds, could come up and tell us, or even sit where you are and tell us, about a time that you did it and something good came of it? There should be easily 20 stories in the room, so who's going to go first? Not me. Come on, come on. Yes, come on, Lynette. Um, cap release on Tuesday. Um, a couple of verses came in which were applicable to what was being discussed. And you just popped them in and it fitted naturally and people were happy about it. Come on, who else? Who else? Who's next? Oh, shame now. All right. Nobody? No, 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 no. All right. Well... Don't think you're off the hook, because today, at the end of my talk, I am going to say, let us know how you get on. So you'll be prepared, and you'll come busting to have your say the next time we meet. So today we finish this series, which we have called the Pastoral Letters. Uh, is that working? No, it's not, is it? Is it did it work? It is. We, we're finishing the Pastoral Letters, which we could also call the Discipleship Letters. Sorry, we are finishing our talks on them today. And discipleship is something you may have noticed that the word disciple is very much like the word discipline. Did you notice that? Sometimes people think discipline is knocking people on the head because they're naughty or smacking your kids or something. It's not at all. Discipline means becoming a disciple. So when we put a structure around our life and around our children's lives and we begin to order it and take it in a direction of following what God says, that's real discipline. That's what discipline is. You don't feel like getting up, but you get up. That's discipline, see? You actually feel pretty grumpy, but you're nice to the customer because that's discipline. You kind of know it's meant to be done, so you make yourself do it. And by doing that, you become a disciple because that's all disciples are, people who are disciplined. They're walking in the way. So we've decided to finish by looking at 1 Timothy Chapter 6. Some people, Murray tells me, think that the, what we think is the first letter of Timothy, 1 Timothy, was actually written second. They were written the other way around. They didn't put the dates on the letters, so we can't be sure. But after studying the second letter, or what we think is the second letter of Timothy for uh, some weeks, we're going to finish off by looking at 1 Timothy, chapter 6. Now, at the end of a letter, 
you say important things to remember, don't you? Especially back in then, in those days, because there was no email, there wasn't even postage stamps. So if you wrote a letter to somebody far away, you had to find someone who was going there or send someone and take it with you. It was a very big deal. They didn't even have pens or paper, you know. So to write a letter and to get it from here to Wellington was a big deal. In fact, in the early days of New Zealand, the quickest way was to post it to Sydney and get someone to bring it back to Wellington. That's how they did it. Yeah, true, I'm not making that up. And that's when they did have a postal service. So, so for Paul to write the letter, he writes it very carefully. He, this is a big, big deal. And the last thing he says, uh, the question I've got here is, so how did Paul finish his famous historic letter to Timothy, knowing it might be the last time he ever got to tell him anything? Paul knew he was reaching the end. He knew he might never see Timothy again, but also might never be able to write him another letter. So what we're going to study today is very important. And this is what he said. And in the New International Version, I think it is, it's actually headed up with paragraph headings. Paul didn't write them, but the translators put them in, and they've headed this paragraph, Final Charge to Timothy. In other words, Maybe the last thing Paul ever says to Timothy. Do you think it's going to be important? Oh, yeah. And this is what he says. But as for you, man of God, flee from all this. Uh-oh. <laughs> flee from all what? We need to go back, don't we? To find what he has to flee from. So we have to go back to verse 3. And this is what it says, reading from verse 3 onwards. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited. That means they're kind of stuck up and think of themselves too highly. And they understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies. That means things that people argue about. You know how some people always like to get into an argument? That's what that means. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy. That means wishing that you were like someone else. Strife, malicious talk. Malicious means nasty. Uh, evil suspicions and constant friction between people of corrupt mind. Friction means you just don't get along. You're always bumping each other the wrong way. That's what friction is who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Now, Paul warns that some people teach that if you're going to become a Christian and walk in God's ways, that's the way to get rich. Have you ever heard of that? I understand, I don't know now, but many years ago, people would actually go on television and say, listen to me, everybody, I'll teach you how to follow God's ways and get rich. Have you heard that stuff? Paul says, no, this is bad. He actually says to Timothy, shun that, shun this. Because that's what shun means, have nothing to do with it. Here's the next bit. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness means that we concern ourselves with things of God. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. 
Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Do you know that that's one of the verses in the Bible that's said wrongly more than perhaps any other? Did you know that? How do, what do people say instead of that? They say, money is the root of all evil, so give yours to me. Now, when this is one of... <laughs> So this is one of those times, this is one of those scriptures, when you hear that, you know I said put the right word in at the right time, so somebody says, oh well, money's all the root of all evil, and you step and you say, actually, that, a lot of people say that, but did you know that comes from the Bible? They go, no, say, well it does, but it says something a bit different, you think about it, it says love of money is the root of all evil, oh they say, See, well, when you think about it, money can do a lot of good, can't it? Well I suppose it can, they say. See, but if you love money, that's the beginning of all kinds of evil. And they go, well, I suppose it is. Yeah. Where'd you get that from? The Bible. Whoa, I didn't know you read the Bible. All right. So it's a conversation starter. That's one of those times I was talking about. All right. Whoops. What have I done here? Have I bumped some wrong things? I have, haven't I? Oh, I bumped the wrong button. All right. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And people can start off, but this whole desire to chase about money is, uh, can be very powerful. And then we get to this. Then we get to final charge to Timothy. But as for you, man of God. Well, I said I'd explain that. Why did Paul write man of God? Why didn't he write women of God? Why didn't he write kids of God? Do you know why? Because he's writing to Timothy, that's why. Drizel, if he's writing to you, he would have written girl of God because Paul believed that girls could follow God. Do you? So do I, all right? Elijah, if he was writing to you, he'd write boy of God, all right? If he's writing to Juliet, he'd say woman of God. Now, I'll come to it later. Paul knew everyone was going to read the letter, but nonetheless, he addressed it to Timothy, and that's the reason he says man of God. So I'm going to tell all of you this is for all of you. But as for you, whole bunch of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness. Pursue means chase. You've got to chase righteousness. Do you know what righteousness is? Does Drusel know what righteousness is? She's a woman of God, a girl of God. You don't know what righteousness is. Righteousness just means doing the right thing, okay? Righteousness. That's easy to remember, isn't it? You'll remember that, won't you? That's your homework, to remember it. If I ask you next week what righteousness is, what will you say? The right thing to do. Yes, that's right. So, and do you know what pursue means? Pursue righteousness? What? Chase after it. That's right. Good. So, pursue righteousness, godliness. That means thinking about God's things in your mind and using his standards. Faith. Do you know what faith is? A lot of adults uh, miss out half of, half of what faith. Do you know what faith is? What is faith? Something you believe in that you haven't seen. Is that a biblical answer? It's a very biblical answer. In fact, it comes direct from the scriptures. Could you name exactly where in the Bible that comes from? My goodness. You're more clever than me because I thought you were going to say no and I was going to say it doesn't matter because the important thing is... that, that No, remember what I said last time? The important thing is you've got God's word in your heart. If you don't know the address, you can look it up on Google. See, um, I mean on Bible Hub. All right? But the important thing is to have God's word in your heart. So you're right. Faith is 
you're absolutely right. It's the assurance of things which are not seen. But I'll tell you something else as well. In English, we have a word faithfulness. Do you know what that means? It means you just keep on going no matter what. Did you, you know that? Who's ever read Horton Hatches the Egg? All right? I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. And elephants, faithful 100%. Whatever happens, Horton just sits on that egg. That's faithfulness. And in the Bible, the word faith and the word faithfulness are actually the same word. So when we believe in things, even when we don't see them, that's faith. But when we just keep on going, day after day, week after week, even if we don't see many results to encourage us, that's faith too. It's all part of it. Got that? Faithfulness. Love, that of course is not romantic love. What that means is, um, it, it's, the word in the Bible is based on the word, I think it's agapen, uh, for here, and it's agape, giving love. A concern for others above ourselves. That's what love really is. Endurance means you just keep on going. And gentleness, that means we, we're not rough and harsh on people. We give them a bit of a break, you know, we're not too hard on them. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, isn't that funny? Take hold of eternal life. That comes up twice in this passage. What does that mean? Take hold of eternal life. Do you know? I think what happens is, when does eternal life begin? Yeah, when we get saved. We, we decide to follow Jesus. That's when our eternal life begins. So we're not waiting. Wait, sometime out there, there's going to be our eternal life. What happens is we're in eternal life, right? It's begun. We're walking in it. And of course, it's going to change. But what the Bible says is take hold of that. So don't just sort of forget about it. Don't go, oh, well, one day. Right? We're in eternal life right now. So grab it. Remember it every day. Everything you do counts forever. Isn't that great? Okay. That's even smaller, isn't it? Uh, sorry, I, I made this smaller than I should have and I shouldn't have. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Do you know what arrogant is? Arrogant is people who move in like they're the big cheese around the place. Hey, you listen to me, everybody. We're not meant to be like that. We just take our place. What's the opposite of arrogant? Humble, yes. We just take our place. We don't push ourselves. That's what that means. Command them not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This is not talking about KiwiSaver. It's referring to what Jesus says. He says, you know, when you do good deeds, when you are kind and generous to people, 
You are laying up treasure because God, God watches. He goes, well, Donna, I know. I saw that. I saw that, says God. You're laying up treasure for yourself in heaven. See? Isn't that cool? The Bible actually says, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord. Isn't that strange? So when you give someone to something, somebody something who's in need, you give it to them. But God goes, oh, you're not really giving it. You're just lending to me. And, uh, and I'll pay you back. God will pay us back. So that's advice specially for the rich. Do you know if there are any rich people here? Yes, there are. I'll tell you, by world standards, every one of us is a very rich person. So God expects us to use our wealth and prosperity in New Zealand to help people who are, are not so well off as us. I'm very pleased that New Zealand is one of the biggest givers in the world to overseas needy people. But by God's standards, we probably don't give very much. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what's falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. The opposing ideas, some people, these are things that people argue about. Oh, look, I think that Prince Charles is actually sitting on the throne of David because the people of Israel migrated across the lost tribes, across your blah, blah, blah. You go on and on and on about that. But really, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. All right? Hang on, Prince Charles isn't on the throne yet, is he? But the, there's all kinds of stuff, all right? All kinds of stuff. People could argue about the Old Testament symbols for this and that, and who's this and that. But in the end, if it's just knowledge, if you're just trying to get knowledge and no good's going to come of it, what's the point? I'm far more interested in something that changes my life. And I'll actually put in a little story there. A man just outside the front door there to me one day says, well, that was a good message, Jeremy. Well, when are you going to start talking about meat? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you just sort of talk about the same simple stuff all the time. When are you going to get to some higher level stuff? What should my answer be? My answer was this. I said, you know what? The reason for that is this is the stuff that changed my life. The stuff that changed my life is salvation and forgiveness and the serenity and peace of Christ, and living in community. And if that's just not up there enough for you, sorry, but I'm not going to change, because that's what, that's what makes me go. That's what changes my life, and that's what I'm going to keep talking about. He never gave me a hard time about it again. He didn't, he didn't disagree. He go, oh, okay, you're right. Now, all of the things we've talked about today, I'm going to call them building character, right? A godly character. We don't argue about nothing. We're not greedy. We're generous. We tell the truth. We warn people when they're going the wrong way. This is all godly character, you see. And in Galatians 5.23, it actually says this expression, against such there is no law. It lays out all the fruits of the Spirit. It talks about godly character, and it says, against such there is no law. And that's absolutely true. All the things I just told you today, there's no law against it. Our society in New Zealand is not totally broken, and godly values are still largely respected. One thing I noticed when I was at Huntley College is that although most of the people in authority at Huntley College were not Christians, time after time they picked Christians to be in the student leader team. The reason was because although they didn't really respect God or the gospel, they did respect godly Christian character. And that's why, time after time, 
Christian students were put in charge of things. They knew they had good character. So I've got a prophecy for all of you. Sometimes we speak a word over someone. Here it is for you. Although New Zealand seems to be turning away from Christianity, there's still an ache for the life values and character qualities described in these discipleship letters. The meanest gangster can still have his heart touched by someone who seems to care more about helping him than trying to get something from him because he's not used to it. The most struggling solo mum aches to hear somebody let her know she has value. Maybe someone takes the advice we heard today and refuses to join in an argument that the solo mum is trying to start, but starts to speak insight and encouragement instead. And she notices, and her spirit quietens down. Remember the proverb that talks about the right word at the right time? That's the right time. When the gangster goes, how can you care about me? When the solo mum goes, actually, I don't feel like fighting with you because I don't think you're really here to have a go at me. That's the moment. That's the right time. And that's the, the little peaceful oasis, calm in the storm, where you speak in those words of life which we think about all the time. That's the right time for the gangster and the solo mum. And we speak words of truth, we speak life, and God speaks to their heart, and the words stay with them. Does that mean that they fall down then and give their hearts to Christ? Well, we don't know. It's not our job to save people or to draw them to Christ. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to speak words of truth. Now, there's a couple of stories on that. My brother Andrew, was he ran a thing called uh, Rock Solid, and it was for kids like 11 to 13-year-olds, and it was a Youth for Christ outreach. And he did this for some years, and, and after he'd done it, some years later, there was some crime committed and a policewoman turned up. And the policewoman introduced herself. She'd been one of the kids who used to come to the kids' club. And uh, they got talking and, and he said, how are you going? What's happening? And she said, I've become a Christian. He says, tell me about it. She said, well, when we went to kids' club, you said all those things. You spoke the words of truth. And she said, I, it never really made any difference to me, but it never left me either. I remembered them. I remembered them. And she said, it just went round and round in my head for years and years, and when I was sort of in my early to mid-twenties, it just all came together and made sense, and I gave my heart to Christ. You see? So when you run a kids' club and you go, gosh, are we getting anywhere with this? They just don't seem to be any different. Maybe you are. Mind you, even if you're not, it's our job to do it, isn't it? I went to, to training college, teacher's training college, with a young man called Tino. Tino was from Samoa, and he... <laughs> I feel so sorry for those big, tall people down the back because I'm so short they can't see me. Hey, how's that? All right. The Tino is from, Tino is from, uh, from Samoa, and he was in New Zealand. And oh, I feel silly. And, and uh, because he was from Samoa, he'd grown up knowing about God and what God expects. But when Tino came to New Zealand to do his studies as a teacher, he got him with the, you know, the macho men. They played rugby and used to drink a lot, and that's how it was for him. But still, God's truth was in his heart. He just knew. Now, once in a while, we'd, I'm not going to say we became mates, right? Once in a while, Tino and I would have lunch together, and we'd start talking. And, and without being real heavy about it, I'd just remind Tino of the call that God had on his life. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But the, but the draw of the booze and stuff was pretty strong, right? Now, there was no great moment. But a few years later, somebody came to me and they said, 
I went to Samoa and I met a man called Tino. I thought, oh, I wonder if that's the man I knew. He said he knew you. Oh, yeah. He said to tell you that he's now following the Lord Jesus with his whole heart. And he's a traveling evangelist going around the villages and sharing the gospel. Now, two things made me very happy there. Number one, the fact that he's a Christian and sharing the gospel. But number two, he thought there must have been enough significance in those times that we had, him and me, which weren't heavy duty, that he somehow wanted to get a message to me to let me know what was going on. Because those little talks we had had a value which lasted. Most of the time, you won't get to hear back. But one of the joys of growing old is we occasionally hear back about how God used the words we spoke and the concern we showed. But others we don't, it doesn't matter. We're servants called to obey. What God does with that is up to him. When Hannah went around New Zealand with the travelling band, she said, Dad, everywhere I go, I hear of people who say, your father really spoke words into me which really helped me. I don't even know who the people were. But they've remembered that. Usually you won't hear, but sometimes you will. So let's do it. Oh, wow, we're way behind. But let's do it. Fill up your kettle with scripture. Get out there. Listen to people and listen to God. Pull out the right word at the right time and rightly divide the word of truth. Let's make a difference. Let's bridge the gap. Because if we don't do it, who will? And last but not least, what I wish I'd told you last time, let us know how you get on. Will you do that? Can you do that? Come and tell me or Murray or Jenny or ask if you can stand up. Because once, that's, once the stories get out, say, hey, I was able to put the word of truth in here and this is what happened. The others go, I could do that. I could do that. And faith begins to build. And the whole thing starts to catch on and it makes a difference. Does that make sense? You got all that, didn't you, Elijah? Told you you would. I knew. If mum forgets, you tell her this afternoon. Okay? Let's, let's just pray. Thank you, God. That uh, Like Potato to Ferofero, who wanted his followers to have a good life, every Christian, whoever tells us anything, everything we read in the Bible... Everything that Paul said to Timothy is all there so we can have a good life, so we can live a better life, be more as you intended it to be. And we pray that we will not only heed your instructions for having a good life, and our lives will come into order, and we will come close to you, but that we will be people as agents of yours in this community, this community or wherever we are, and that we will be people who will speak the right words, who will show Christian character, who will touch hearts, and who won't worry too much about what results we see in the short term. Because as we've talked about, we know it's up to you. What happens with that? If we die and we've never seen much happen, that's okay. If we spoke your words of truth. I thank you, Lord, that in New Zealand right now we enjoy so much freedom to speak the words of truth. We know that not every society in the world in the world, would receive these things. But we thank you that ours will, and that we can be received by all sorts of people as we speak your words of life. So, Lord, go with us. Help us to do it. Help us to notice we're doing it. Help us to remember it. And help us to have a bit of courage and kaha to share with others to encourage them. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast.
please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.